Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo, and this is episode 50 of the Hawthorne Towncast. We are less than two weeks away from Christmas, two episodes left uh, of the Hawthorne Towncast in the year, and right now it is week three of Advent, so uh, in December we are, we're talking to different pastors and priests in uh, in Hawthorne, and today takes us to St. Anthony's, right on Washington Ave, and, uh, San, and uh, Diamond Bridge Ave, right on the corner, uh, you guys gotta know where St. Anthony's is at this point. And we had the opportunity of meeting up with uh, Monsignor Kupke. So he shares his journey from uh, from growing up uh, as a boy to a Catholic Catholic family and uh, becoming Monsignor in Hawthorne and everything in between. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Here we are. I have to say, I feel I feel honored, and this is actually this takes me back because when when we first we first came to America, we actually we, we came to St. Anthony's was our was our first church and, and first parish that we uh, that we joined, and so this this goes back a long way. I, I've never been in the inner sanctum here, <laughs> but I am with Monsignor Kupke. Uh, it's the third week of Advent. We're we're getting close to Christmas, and Again, I encourage you guys to, you know, as you get to know the Monsignor a little more, uh, if you know people that are looking for a church or people that, you know, it's, I, a lot of people have moved into town, uh, I encourage you to, you know, share share this episode and, and so people can get to know the Monsignor a little bit better, the church a little bit better, and, and the town a little bit better. So, Monsignor Kupke, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. I know that uh, you've got a lot on your plate. Uh, it's a very busy time, but also, and we're going to get into this a little later, uh, Monsignor Kupke is the archivist, which <clears throat> I've always pronounced it archivist, but now I feel foolish because it's archivist, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so so I want to I talk a little bit about, before we get into the, the archivist part of it, because I, that, I could talk for hours about that. I'm so, I love that kind of, that kind of history. Um, you didn't grow up in Hawthorne. Did you grow up in the no. area? Um, I come from Morris County, actually. Okay. I, well, actually, Hudson County is where I was born. What part of Hudson County? A uh, little town called Guttenberg. I've I've driven through Guttenberg. Well, it's not easy to do. <laughs> Guttenberg is only four blocks wide. Is that right? Twenty blocks long, the sandwich between North Bergen and West New York. How many people? Uh, Six thousand. That's cute. That's a cute yeah. little town. It probably has about 6,100 now. When I was a uh, little kid, um, Guttenberg celebrated its centennial. And the big issue was how to keep the centennial parade in Guttenberg. <laughs> because Guttenberg only has the cross streets. It only has three of the long streets in Hudson County. Oh, is that right? So basically the parade had to go up 68th Street and down 69th Street. Make a right, Street. go down. Make, yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy. <laughs> so how long How long were you there? Uh, only till kindergarten. And then we moved briefly upstate New York. And then uh, when I was in the fourth grade, we moved to Persephone in Mars County. Okay. So that's really where I grew up most of my life. Did you go all your schooling in uh, in Parsippany? Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? Morris Catholic in Denville. Okay. So were you, were your parents 
devout Catholics that they go yeah. to. Yeah. So you, you, you kind of had that growing up. Yeah. So when when did you when did you get the calling? When did you feel like this is this is what I want to do? When did I get the calling? Well, I I was talking about this last week with the kids in our school. You know, they were asking me questions. I said, really, for me, it was very early. I said, by by fourth grade, I was I was hooked. Really? You know, and um, were you an altar boy? Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. you served. Um, I was telling them that you know people who do research work in vocations. Um, they say that uh, seventh grade is like the key moment. That, That's the that turning point. Many priests today can trace it back to the seventh grade. Really? This, so is, this is a major time in life when you make decisions that... Yeah, that's true. You know, not just in terms of uh, priesthood, but... In, in life. In life, you yeah. know, uh, many of the directions you wind up following, you know, you first, you first be aware of them in the seventh grade. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, about 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah, so you so but you got it early on. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was an altar boy in the fourth grade, and um, I just, you know, I, I I have no doubt that there were probably a lot of us that thought that for a moment, but I was the one that stuck with it, and you know. So what was the process? You graduate high school, right? At the time, if you know what you're doing, you know if you're. Um, if you're settled on this, um, you would go to the college seminary. So in my case, uh, Seton Hall has okay. a, a seminary, seminary division oh, I didn't know that. For, on the college level, which I help out in now. And then after that, you after you graduate college, then there'd be four more years of theology. Wow. Graduate theology. So by the time you get out, you're 20, 25. Yeah, 25. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. a quarter of your life is done. Yes. <laughs> now you've got three be, quarters left. It would, it, it would be not unsimilar to the amount of um, like being a education doctor, a, a doctor yeah. would get. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. The trouble, not the trouble, but um, what has changed in my lifetime is that, you know, when I went in, most of us were what we call lifers, you know, you, you made the decision in high school, you followed it through. And, and you, you, there's a path. Today, you know, um, they follow every other path until it, <laughs> it peters out. And then finally, they they probably still thought about it in sixth grade, but uh, they try everything else out first. And then finally, when uh, they finally figure out, no, this is not making me happy, then, yeah. you know, but they're in their 30s by the time. Right, right, right. We have, uh, at the seminary, we have like two years that we didn't have when I was there <clears throat> that they call pre-theology. And this is to retrain the guys coming in the seminary who already have a college degree. Okay. But they have it in engineering. Business or something uh, else. Business, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's almost like a theology, like almost like an MBA pro, like an executive MBA program, right? Except for you theology, have to, you have to retrain them to think in theological terms, not in in business terms right. or scientific terms. Or, There's no algebra. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> like you know, the most recent guy from the parish here, who uh, was ordained, you know, he was a lawyer. Already. Oh wow! Okay, you know, he had already finished law school when he decided to go in the seminary. 
And uh, so... You never know when God's going to call you. He had to suffer through two years of pre-theology. <laughs> well, I bet he, pre he enjoyed that more than going to law school. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, so you went to Seton Hall, and, and are, are there like p placement programs? How does, how does it work? Like Once you graduate from uh, theological school or, or Seton Hall... Seminary. Seminary, yeah. seminary. When, when you graduate seminary... Um, do you go out looking or? Oh, no, 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 no. You get assigned. You do? Okay. The bishop, <laughs> the bishop assigns you. You you would study ordinarily for a specific diocese. Okay. And then he would assign you. Okay. So, so you know you know where you're going once you no. graduate. Once you graduate, though. Once no. You, oh, you don't? Really? No. They usually don't tell you until after you're ordained. Oh, wow. But they, they, they obviously know... Sometimes, yeah. you know, it depends. Um, we're fortunate to have a newly ordained priest here. You know, my my associate is just ordained last May. Mm. You know, and uh, I knew he was coming here by the time he was ordained, but he didn't. He didn't know, right? You know, and uh, we know each other pretty well, and I had to keep my mouth shut. You know. <laughs> and, you know, our current bishop likes to announce it at the ordination itself. You know, in my time, uh, you got ordained, and then a week later you met with the bishop and he had a letter for you. And uh, There you go. There you go. But this bishop likes to announce it at the ordination. So I, I just had to keep my mouth shut, you know, and, um, and wait till the end of the ordination. And then he announced that he was coming here. And right. I, so, so you've been you've been you've been you've been doing this for a few years. Pardon? You, you've been doing this for a few years now. A few, yes. <laughs> what is, what is the hierarchy? Because I know you know it's it's you know the bishop for the area, and let, let's talk about that because we talked a little bit before we started. Uh, in the diocese, there are how many churches that that? Uh, in our Patterson diocese, there are currently a hundred and nine. In the three counties of Passaic, Morris, and Sussex, 109 churches, yeah. and who oversees that? The Bishop of Patterson would be the ultimate responsibility. You know, um, in Catholic terminology, when you use the term "the local church," you're really referring to the diocese, not not the local. Parish. Oh, is that right? Not the yeah. parish. Yeah. So if you say I'm going to the local church, well, no, you wouldn't say that, but if. If you you wouldn't use that kind of terminology, yeah. but if you were, if you were to say you know, and the local churches, you know, you're really talking about the diocese. The, diocese. the bishop has um, really tremendous responsibility both to govern the local church, you know, and also to keep the local church connected to the universal church. Right. So he's kind of the linchpin in the whole operation. That's a big. That's a big job. You know, and, and what's required to become bishop? You have to be the right guy at the right place at the right time with the right stuff. <laughs> and you never know when that is. No, you don't. Yeah. Um, certainly our current bishop never in his wildest dreams thought he'd be bishop in New Jersey. His wow. whole life had been in Brooklyn and Queens. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So he spent all of his time in Brooklyn and Queens, and was, then they said, okay, now we want you. A year and a half ago, right now, he was pastor of St. Michael's in downtown Brooklyn. Really? Uh, had no idea. Yeah. And they just call you and said, this is where we need to place you. Yeah. 
Yeah, you get a call from the Pope's representative in Washington. Wow. And uh, you know, there's there's actually a a man writing a book right now about the calls. He's gone and interviewed, I think, all the American bishops, or at least a good number of them. Really? Yes, and he's he's threading together, you know, uh, a a narrative of what they were doing when this phone call when came. When the call came. That's and like being what, called up to the major and, leagues. And what their reaction was, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who hung up, who... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Who said, who is this? You know, right. you know, stop pulling my chain. Stop pulling Click. my chain, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, it's a, the, so, uh, he was called and he said, you know, the Holy Father has in mind to make you Bishop of Patterson in New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's not something you could say. Let me think about it. <laughs> well, most of them do. Well, do they? Yeah, you know, at least... Um, because it is a big responsibility. I mean, you're going from one church. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're overseeing 109 churches. Yeah. Plus... Particularly if you've never been a bishop. You know, I, occasionally it's... You know, some of the, the larger dioceses have all, what we call auxiliary bishops, helper bishops, assistant bishops. So, and are they the ones it, being groomed, kind of? Sometimes. Yeah, not yeah. always. Yeah. You know, some of them never get their own diocese. Mm. Um but you know, if they get the call, you know, well, all right, you've already, you're already a bishop. You've already gotten this call once before. You know, it's not quite as earth-shattering a uh, an event. An event, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, with wow. somebody who's you know getting plucked out of nowhere, you know, you wonder sometimes what the you know. How did they land on me? You know, right, what, right. What, what was it? What, what was it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting process. They they write to a select number of people in the diocese, asking their thoughts on what the diocese needs. Hmm. You know, what kind of a bishop? What's missing? What's like, missing? Yeah, you know, yeah, what, yeah. Um, How can we get better? Yeah, yeah. And well, that's interesting. So, so they read all those responses. They read those and sift them together, and um, you know, it takes. It can take like a year, a year and a half. Um, you know, like uh, our previous bishop had turned seventy-five in the spring. It wasn't until over a year later in the summer that we got the new one. Is that the cutoff age? There's a, a seventy-five. You have to submit. You can submit earlier, but when you hit 75, you have to submit a letter of resignation. It's up to the Pope whether he wants to re accept it or not. He might right. ask you to stay on, um, but you have to You have, you to, have submit to submit at 75. At 75. So wow. Our previous bishop had submitted, and that the interesting thing in, in talking to some of the more involved in this is that there really is no game plan. There's no long-range planning of this. Mm. You know, they they don't think about you until they get a letter. Until yeah. you know, it's not like we've been grooming him for twenty years. Yes, or um, <laughs> you know, we're going to name this guy here because in five years that'll be open and this will prep him. For, you know, they don't they don't think that way. They take each vacancy as it comes. And start from scratch. Right, right. Which explains 
some you know crazy moves that you uh, that in the American corporate mentality, you know, you would look at it and say, "What were they thinking?" About, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, Why would they make this guy CEO? <laughs> well, or or you know, he's only had it like the current Archbishop of Boston, Cardinal Malley, was Bishop of Palm Beach, Florida, for less than a year. And they made him Archbishop. And they made him Archbishop of Boston. Granted, there was trouble in Boston, but still, you look wow. at it and say, could they have not found someone else at a little Archbishop? Could they have not thought of this, you know, eight months ago when they moved him, you know? Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, but that, that's not how they think. They take each vacancy as, as, it, comes. as it comes yeah. and as an independent uh, entity. One by one. And, and who does the bishop report to? The Pope. He does. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there are interlying layers of bureaucracy in Rome and Washington, but basically, of course, it's the Pope. Basically, it's the Pope. Did yeah. you get a chance to meet the Pope? I've never met this one, though. No. Did you? Have you met popes in the past? There's a picture over there with me with John Paul. Wow, John Paul. How did that? How did that feel? I mean, that has to be. Well, it was only a few seconds, so. <laughs> I, but even then, it's. <coughs> Yes, it was. Because by that point, <coughs> by the time I met him, he was quite elderly and frail, mm. and you knew he wasn't going to be around that much longer, but, yeah. Uh, it's like God's right-hand man right there. That's amazing. How long ago was that? When was that? That would have to be 15 years ago. Wow. Wow. That, so let's talk about now. Now, here you are. How long have you been at St. Anthony's? Ten and a half years. Ten and a half years. And where were you just prior to St. Anthony's? I was in uh, Florham Park at Holy Family Parish. Okay. In Morris County. And that's all still part of the same diocese, right? Right. So is that it, it, you move within the diocese? Ordinarily. Most yeah. most of the time. Unless unless there's some really unusual situation, or you have some really unusual talent that some other bishop wants to borrow. Which happens, but yeah, but even then he would have to, he would have to ask our bishop. Right, he right. can't just say, you know, you come here. This is what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, yeah. This is, there is a hierarchy that you have to there go through. Little, yeah. Wow, I, I didn't realize I, that. I thought so. Where does the cardinal? I know, where does the cardinal? And this is my ignorance. I apologize. But where does the cardinal in the, <laughs> in the relationship of bishop pope, which cardinal? I don't know. <laughs> But is is so the bishop reports directly to to the pope. The pope, wow. And and there is an intervening level that is not as active. Um, the diocese, in most cases, are grouped together um, in what are called provinces. Okay. And the oldest and or biggest diocese in the province is usually the archdiocese. <clears throat> so right. in our case, the five dioceses of New Jersey form a province under the Archbishop of Newark. Oh, okay. So there is some, for example, you know, the Archbishop of Newark would regularly get the bishops of New Jersey together to address issues affecting the whole state. Sure. Um, you know, if we get a new bishop, uh, it's the Bishop of Newark that ordains our new bishop. Okay. But um, he does not have 
a great deal of direct supervisory. Right. Yeah. But there is some. And so there are five dioceses in New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. How many, do you know how many there are across the country? 197. You do know. <laughs> 197. 197. Actually, 196. They combine two. So, so let's talk about, I want to combine St. Anthony's with, with you being an archivist. How long has St. Anthony's been in existence as, as a parish? Well, St. Anthony's goes back to 1908. Really? Um, the first stirrings in St. Anthony's were when some Catholics in Hawthorne <clears throat> and neighboring Fairlawn, because you know Fairlawn is right, right around right the corner, right over Lincoln Ave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were not happy with their kids walking to catechism classes at Our Lady of Lourdes in Patterson, oh. which is down on River Street. Right. That was the closest. So they would have to walk from Fairlawn down to over the bridge onto River Street. Right. Yeah. Which is not that far, but still, it's a long walk if you're a little kid. So they got the pastor of Lourdes to start um, religious education classes in Hawthorne mm. in a store on Lincoln Avenue. Really? So out of that then well could we have mass here on Sunday you know and so bit by bit you know it, it, so it started just in like a little so storefront. by 1912 it was it was a done deal you know there was uh, it was a, a parish established for Hawthorne um, the name we think comes from the pastor of Our Lady of Lourdes in Patterson Father Anthony Stein um, oh is that right yeah and uh, you know the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, and where, where was the first? Where was the first church? Same spot. Really? Oh, it's always been here. Yeah, and in this, I mean, they had mass for a brief time in a storefront, I think, on Lafayette Avenue. But basically, when they built the original wood frame church, um, it was on the corner here. Yeah, and and you guys, if for those of you that may not know that that may be new to Hawthorne. St. Anthony's is right on the corner of Diamond Bridge Avenue and Washington, Washington Ave. So if you if you know where the train station is on that same street, uh, and you can't miss it, I mean it is the most it is the most iconic building in Hawthorne. I mean it really, you know, we always growing up we called it the Castle, castle Church, the Catholic um, Church. No, yeah. the Castle. We're going to go to the Castle Church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's beautiful. The current was, church was built in thirty uh, four. Okay. So really? uh, was dedicated on Thanksgiving morning in '34. Wow! Um, and it's modeled after another church that is two years older um, in East Rutherford. Oh, is that right? St. Joe's in East Rutherford. If you ever visit, uh, drive past St. Joe's in East Rutherford, it looks it looks the same. It looks the same, except oh. that theirs is in brick and ours is in stone. St. Joe's. East Rutherford. I want to write that down. So, how did you get into archiving? Like, how does that even start? How do you start that? Well, as we spoke before, um, in 1976, the United States was celebrating its bicentennial, 200 years. Uh, 
<clears throat> so the bishops that year decided that as the Catholic contribution to the bicentennial, every bishop would appoint an archivist for the historical records of the diocese. We had the records, but they were treated almost exclusively as office legal records. Just paperwork. Than, <laughs> yeah. Um, rather than historical research facility. So uh, Bishop Lawrence Casey, who was the bishop at the time, appointed me. He knew that I had an interest in local history based on two other priests. Um, you know, my best friend was the assistant to the priest who was his secretary. Okay. So through that connection, he landed on me and appointed me the archivist, and I've been the archivist ever since. Since 76? Since 76. Wow. Now, and so you guys understand, this is not just, he's not just pulling papers together from the St. Anthony's Parish. You're the archivist for all 109 churches. Right, for the whole diocese, yeah. And how far back does do the records go? Our oldest parish, <clears throat> uh, St. Joseph's in West Milford Township, up at the top of Passaic County. That's the oldest church? That, well... Uh, <laughs> I'm skipping You have ahead. to fine-tune that. It depends what you mean by church. Oh, uh, okay. They don't have the oldest building. However, they have the oldest congregation. Right. Um, they have sacramental records going back to the 1760s. 1760s, before America yes. was born. Right, right, right. They were attended twice a year by a itinerant missionary priest from Philadelphia. And he was, he was an archivist's dream because he kept perfect records uh, his sacramental records. He tells us who he baptized, but he also tells us where he baptized them. So we know exactly where he visited in North Jersey. Wow. Um, you know, we, we can trace his route based on his baptismal register and where he's telling us he, he baptized these three kids. I mean, those have to be so fragile, those documents. Well, they are and they aren't. They're in pretty good shape, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, his earliest record, since he was operating out of Philadelphia, uh, those records are in the archives of St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, okay. And I've gone down and visited them a couple of times. Really? And, um, they're actually in pretty good shape. That's amazing. I had all I could do not to snitch the records. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So the, what, do, you, uh, do the records here for St. Anthony's Parish, those go back to the, the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. They're wow. right in the next room. And you just, you, you have to manage all of that. Yeah. And so you guys know, this is not, you know, we're not talking about pulling stuff up on microfiche or pulling stuff up on the, on your database and your laptop computer. This is all paper. It's all still documented and mm. all, it's all paper. Occasionally for an old, uh, for a funeral here, you know, I'll actually bring to the funeral the baptismal register in which the person was baptized, if they were baptized wow. here, you know, and show them where this all started. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I know we, I know we, uh, we touched on it a little bit. So, so you, you're handling all of this, all of the archives for all 109. So, so of the, so since there are five dioceses in Hawth, in uh, New, New Jersey, Jersey mm -hmm. 
are there five archivists? Yes. And you guys, do you guys talk amongst yourselves and occasionally? Yeah. Are there any kind of like archivist meetings that you get together? Yes. Are there really? Yeah. What happens at those meetings? <clears throat> Mostly uh, um, training um, or discussing. Um, you know, new equipment, new upgrades, digitalization, as you said. Sure, sure. Um, are some of the other dioceses, are they starting to digitize some of their records? Because that is such a big process. Sometimes sacramental records. Um, there is a group that will, that will uh, microfilm all your sacramental records for really? free. Really? As long as they get to keep a copy. Why would they want a copy? Well, <clears throat> it's the Utah Genealogical Society. And basically, the Mormon Church has a theological approach that would indicate that you can make somebody a Mormon posthumously. Okay. So it's a pious practice for retired Mormons to research their ancestry and have them all made Mormons really? after the fact. So the Utah Genealogical Society collects all that data all that data to aid their research into their so you know when they come and approach you you look at your record and say, all right, do I want all these old Italian Catholics made into Mormons <laughs> or not? Then they knock on your door and say, by the way, you're a Mormon now. <laughs> Not quite, but <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk about Christmas. Um, we're going from the archives to Christmas. Yeah, we're going from the archives to Christmas. Uh, I mean, I, I you know I could I really could talk about talk about the history for forever because it's so. I mean, I, cause so, so they must have the same. Well, if you're if you're nice to me, when this is over, I'll show you the DVD that was misfiled. Oh, I'd love to see that. I haven't taken it back into the archives yet. Really? I'd love to see that. Oh, that's cool. All right, and I'll share that picture with you guys listening. Um, so, so now, yeah, so Christmas is coming up. It's, it's a couple weeks away. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people. It's, it's, it's joyous for some. It's painful for others. You know, as I share, this will be the first Christmas without my mom. She passed away. Actually, the day that we're recording this, she passed away a year ago today. Uh, so it's it's you know it's bittersweet in in many ways and you know I think <clears throat> when somebody dies you kind of have to go through a whole annual cycle of holidays yeah. family remembrances anniversaries and certainly Christmas is one of the big ones that's a big one yeah yeah and and my heart always goes out to anybody that loses a parent or a relative a sibling a child whatever it may be right around holiday times because yeah. then it's that pain. Yeah, it brings back that memory. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so if, if there are those that are listening that that are, are searching, they don't have a church yet, they want to go somewhere where they feel at home and they feel, you know, like they can they have fellowship of, of, of people around them, uh, what would you say to those people about, about St. Anthony's and about your the services that are coming up? Well, St. Anthony's is a large loving parish um, 
it's very outgoing, very warm in a lot of ways. Um, it's been around here in town for over a century <clears throat> and um, has an, you know, many, it's kind of a mixture. There are many families in the parish that are multi-generational multi, yeah. and have been here since the beginning. You know, some of the founding families oh, from 1908 right? are still involved in the parish. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. For example, um, uh, the head of our decorating uh, committee, you know, is is uh, Congress is Congressman uh, Councilman Mealy. Oh, you know, yeah. Dominic, you know, but Dominic's father and grandfather were here. Wow. You know, they've been in town forever. So you have a number of people that have been here. Since the beginning. Right from the beginning, yeah. Um, but you also, as you said, you have many new families as well, you know. Um, uh, so there are the lifers and the... Uh, the ones who've shown up in the last month, you know. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. a whole, it's a whole cross section of people, much like the borough itself. Sure. Oh yeah. Been, you know. Well, and, and the other thing is, I know you have a lot of outreach programs. I know. So, could talk a little bit about that. We have a very active social services ministry. One of our deacons, Jerry Vodlala, coordinates that. So, um, you know, we we have a food pantry that operates all year long. You know, we're constantly. Uh, giving away food at the door. But then, you know, at Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, we have pushes uh, within the parish. So we, you know, two weekends ago before Thanksgiving, we, you know, Saturday morning, we gave out about 45 food baskets. Wow. You know, in the morning, people coming by. They were all in the garage back there, and, you know, you just hand them out. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very active. We participate in a number of... Um, of programs in the Advent season, we have a. There are five different agencies in Lower Passaic County that we support in terms of gift giving at Christmas. So, the parishioners all are encouraged to take a tag off a tree, get the gift that's mentioned on the tag, either for a child or maybe for a homeless person. Oh wow! You know, a toy for children, but maybe it's you know, underwear and socks for. A, homeless person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think of it every time when I see on TV, you know, the, the Bombay socks uh, yeah. commercial, you know, and they say that, you know, the most requested item from homeless people are socks. socks. So, um, yeah, and yeah, we will give, a, give out maybe three or four hundred gifts, you know, through that program. So, yeah. We, so if people are listening and they want to just donate, they want to, you know, they want they want to participate in in donation and, and and you know to the food bank or whatever the case may be. How how can they do? Can they do that? Yes, um, just bring it in. Yeah, well, uh, um, that's a dangerous thing to say on the air because sometimes <laughs> sometimes I'll find things you know on, on the back door that uh, you know we're, we're not collecting that at this. all. You know, <laughs> but um, like canned foods, can they bring canned foods or non perishables? Non perishable, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, there are many of the parishioners who just once a month they'll just include it in their monthly shopping and bring it to church, and then it gets it gets uh, shifted into the food pantry. Yeah. So, so guys, you know, if you want to donate and you're looking a way to give back, uh, this is a great opportunity. Non perishables they do an amazing job uh, reaching out to to people in in the community that that just you know they they 
trying to make ends meet and they're struggling and it's a beautiful thing that that uh, that you have that and and this is I find that this town is very giving it's a very giving people here town. are very generous yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been an interesting you know when you've been in a few parishes uh, over the course of a career it's, it's interesting to uh, see the different aspects of that kind of generosity the people here never say no basically yeah and we've also acted as something of a um, a, a middleman for some of the other groups in town. For example, sometimes um, some of the athletic teams in town, you know, like around Christmas or around Thanksgiving, will say to the kids on the team, you know, everybody, or a classroom maybe in a school, you know, everybody bring in a can of food and we'll give to them. So we very, that very often comes to our food pantry because, you know, we're, we're a kind of a reference point locally. So Sure. And then we, at the same time, also support a wider food pantry in downtown Patterson that oh, the diocese okay. runs. So, um, food pantries have been badly hit by the pandemic, yeah. you know, because there are, you know, you don't you don't think about this stuff, but having all the kids home for a year, uh, learning virtually over. You know, that meant that all the hot lunch programs, all the oh. early breakfast programs were eliminated. Right. So those poor families right. were more... Because they, uh, they have to now provide that at home. They now have to provide at home what, what Five sometimes days a week. they were able to do with wow. school. So, so um, the food I didn't pantries, even think of that. Yeah, yeah. The food pantries got, have really been... In some cases, at the beginning of COVID, they were almost emptied because there was so much of a, uh, of a demand. Was demand, huge. You know? So we've caught up a little bit, and uh, you know, we have we have a couple of people who um, just donate their time updating the food pantry, making sure we don't have you know expired food in the food pantry. Oh, really? So, yeah, you know, these are the these are the little things that about, you don't think about. Know, it ain't just bringing in a can of food. You got to have people to manage the whole thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And you have a lot of volunteers, you know, in the parish that 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 help to do that. So So if people do want to volunteer, can they, they just call up the uh, the rectory, call mm -hmm. up St. Anthony's? So guys, you can call up St. Anthony's Church. You can you can Google it. You'll get the phone number. Uh, and, and if you want to donate, if you want to volunteer, if you want to give back to the community, you know, churches are always looking for people that, that have a, a heart to serve. Uh, and, and, you know, if you can't donate food, you can't donate money, you can donate your time. There's always time. So I, I encourage you guys to, uh, you know, call St. Anthony's and say, hey, listen, I want to serve. I want to help. What can I do? And they'll put them to work, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll find something. Now, the big question, I know everybody's been dying to know this. The really? big question is... a big question? It's a big question. It's, is there going to be a carnival next year? Oh, dear God. The St. Anthony's Feast, is it still in question? We're still not sure. Um, I expect to make an announcement on that in the next week. Oh, guys, if this, this is going to come out, this is going to come out third... Third week of Advent, it's going to come out Monday the 13th, so we're going to know something before Christmas on whether or not we're going to have the carnival. And, and 
I've been every year because growing up here. What else is there to do? Well, I mean, I, you know, in the middle you, of June. You can't move in town during that week, so. <laughs> exactly. So so we'll have some, some great news. Uh, Monsignor, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. I know it's a very busy time. And, again, guys, I encourage you to call up St. Anthony's. Uh, if you want to donate non-perishables, if you want to donate your time, um, they're always looking for people to help. Uh, and they're always looking to help people. So uh, I, I encourage you guys to call up and just and see what's available that you can do uh, at any level. And, and again, if you're looking for if you're looking for a church, you're new in town or, you know, you're not happy with where you are. Or, there's always a place here right on the corner of Diamond Bridge and Washington Ave. I should mention that about a third of our registered parishioners don't come from Hawthorne. A third of them. Yeah. We have, They're from out of town. We have North Held and Held and yeah. uh, Fairlawn. It's a wide reach. Glen Rock. Uh, we have, you know, everybody. It, it, it's not exclusively Hawthorne in, yeah. in the sense that we bleed a little on the edges in sure. every direction. Well, and you know, like you said, families started coming here early on, and then they have kids, and then they grow up in the church, and they move. So, but they still love the church. They love the parish. So they keep coming back, and then their kids come back. Yeah, yeah it's uh... the first funeral I did here as pastor. Um, you know what you just described is more prevalent here than any place I've ever been. Oh, is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, we're like an ancestral church for half of New Jersey. <laughs> I think sometimes you know you got to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less than half of the people we bury actually live in Hawthorne. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, they. But my very first—I always tell the story. My very first funeral. The uh, the couple, the man, they had lived for twenty years in Seagirt, okay, down on the Jersey Shore. And before that, 40 years in Westwood, in Bergen County. Really? And the funeral is here. Why did and they pick here? My question exactly. I, <laughs> I said, how in God's name did we get this funeral? You know, there's nothing. Yeah. The guy was 90-something. You know. He proposed to his wife in the church 70-some years ago. Wow. And based on that, we get the funeral. Wow. You know, not not where he's lived the past right or gone to church anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, Just the no. fact that he So that that's Saint Anthony's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well again guys walk through town once and you get buried from here. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh Monsignor, thank you again so much for your time. And and guys again, reach out, you know, if you're looking to uh to donate time, donate money, non perishables, they're here. Give Saint Anthony's a call. Call the rectory and uh and they'll be able to tell you how you can help, right? Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, be well.